Welcome back, fine townsfolk, to another episode of Tarraskian Encounters. This week, we are going to talk about the 3-5 Tarrasque. And last week, Matt, we ended with me stopping mid-thought because I, I wanted to save some because we're trying to pace ourselves. We don't want to run out of too much material too soon in terms of, of Tarrasques. We are slightly concerned that it might get a bit redundant. So the discussion I wanted to have was, what's the difficulty level of making this a really memorable fight? That's more than just a tank and spank. Like, yeah, it's re- it's got the reflective carapace and everything, so it's 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 hard on the casters, and it's and it hits like a truck, and it's got a lot of hits. I I understand that, but that just makes it a big boss. I almost feel like the memorable part of it is what leads up to it. It's what we were talking about last week with your marshalling troops maybe you're finding specific artifacts or objects your it's everything that leads up to the tarasque fight and then maybe it's finding ways to use those objects finding ways to command those troops and really almost playing it as a kind of like a tower defense game where you're setting stuff up hmm. so that okay maybe you're not really doing much in terms of the actual fight itself especially if you're a caster because as we discussed last week at least with the 2e Tarask, they're not very useful given the the reflective carapace right they'll, they'll be hurting themselves more than they'll actually exactly. be exactly so the maybe the idea is to use those powers of diplomacy or or even intimidation or something along those lines to command the troops to go after this. And obviously, if that's the case, you're going to have to play this a little bit differently as the DM where, you know, you mm-hmm. roll a percentage dice, you roll... Obviously, you're not going to roll to have an army hit the... You're, you're not going to roll to have individual soldiers in that army hit the, the Tarrasque, but... Right, Something along right. those lines. Maybe you just have a regiment that rolls all at once. Yeah. You're you're more you're you're treading more in in Gygax original territory, which is Exactly. Games. Yeah. You give your players yeah. agency over maybe agency over a regiment, agency over a yeah. a specific part of the the you know, amassed forces and let them kind of run yeah. with that as they see fit. So they're kind of almost a combat general. Yeah, tr- it's a troop and worker placement. But that that being said, is that not... Is that not kind of a slightly disappointing way to end that, that arc? Like, aren't you looking forward to that fight? Even though it's just, let's hit it with things. You know, I don't know. It's it's such a toss up. I like the idea of of making it a very unique fight with those those n- newer mechanics, but also like you want to get in there and you just want to hit the damn thing because it's the Tarrasque. Sure. You know, I I I fought the Tarrasque and all I got was this lousy bloodstained T-shirt. I completely understand, and I think that is one of those things where you're going to have to look at each of the players and see what they would like. Do you have the, do you have a player 
that's playing like a, a cleric or maybe a, a sorcerer that likes to just kind of stand back and tell people where to go? Do you have someone that's a bard that's basically making sure others are doing well that would be perfect in a role for granting bardic inspiration to a regiment and sending them on their way? Mm. Or do you have Aragorn... Okay who is going to be at the front of the line leading his his troop. They could play that however they want. You know, if they if they want yeah, to stand yep. back and tell people what to do, great. If they want to be follow me on my horse and let's go get this thing, then you can play that way as well. So in a in a sense in a in a in a very literal sense you are technically splitting the party because you could have your casters going off to to lead to lead the charge or or to to play general or or whatever where they're not in direct contact with this thing while your barbarian obviously will be you know but it's it's not it's not your your standard definition of of split the party where one person goes down one hall in a dungeon and the other goes down another so there's no there's no risk to it in fact it makes the most sense for them to 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 rearrange and assess like you said see where their strengths are i i think that is the perfect way to do it that is that is brilliant for some reason i was thinking well they all got to do it whatever it is so it's it's either they all fight or they all lead the army but no absolutely not in fact that makes for some great variety in that combat because a lot of the the combat will be, well, I just roll my nine attacks and then roll my 30 D6 to, to see how much I damage I do. Yeah. And then your your Sork decides where they put the archers. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And you're, I mean, they're still going to get their, they can still roll the dice. They can still control the attacks of their specific regimen. But I think that will help play to their specific strengths, which in a battle of this magnitude... Mm-hmm you want them to really feel like they can shine and frankly against a Tarask, if you have a group of casters or even a, a group of two or three in your party, I almost feel like they're going to feel left out if, if you don't work in some other mechanic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, you've you've definitely solved that for me that that you need you need to be able to give them all something where they can shine in this fight yeah and 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 honestly i don't think it would be all that difficult and and you can give them all unique abilities and in unique opportunities rather it doesn't have to be well you three control the troops so roll your dice you two fight so roll your dice like you you can you can spice it up a little bit i think absolutely yeah you can you roll in flavor where they can they can provide some sort of inspiration have them give their best you know general patent speech at the beginning and see how much how you know right. how many inspiration die they can provide to their troops or something along those lines and i definitely think you you work into the lead up the the relationships with certain troops maybe you have a group of elven archers that are you know standing upon the the castle wall and you have one elf in the group that really has made a connection with these people that maybe he is 
a drow, but they are wood elves, but they're able to come a, come to some sort of agreement, and that gives him certain a certain level of power, I guess, over them to really kind of buff their attacks. Mm-hmm. Morale or something like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and have those numbers fluctuate depending on how well the troops are doing, all sorts of stuff, yeah. And I just, I just want to, I think it's very funny that you went for a General Patton speech and my immediately immediate go-to was the St. Crispin's Day speech from Henry V from Shakespeare. I think this very, it, it fits us perfectly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so this week, now that we're, we're through with the, the great big war discussions, let's look at Monster Manual 3.5 for Dungeons and Dragons. We're on page 240. Matt, here's what the 3.5 Tarrasque looks like. Okay, that's more than what I expected. Much more kaiju, much more dino. Yep. So this guy is a colossal magical beast. A hit dice of 48d10 plus 594, which is an an average of 858. Much more. I know numbers, numbers don't translate well from additions, but... Let's remember last week it was 300, 300 hit points. Yeah. Yeah. So this one is average of 858. It has a plus seven initiative speed of 20 feet or four squares armor class of 35. So it gets a negative eight due to its size, a plus three due to, due to its decks and a plus 30 for natural armor. Of course. It's, it's touch AC is five. Okay. It's yeah, five. <laughs> and it's flat footed is 32. And let's remember touch is it takes away all of that natural armor, is that right? And it's like yeah, as it's, if you could just bypass everything and just do damage directly to it. Pretty much, yeah. It's just whatever is is just on the five is basically your his skin. For lack of a better yeah. term, there's no carapace, okay. there's no armor, there's no anything like that. So what would be doing touch attack damage? Certain spells, uh, I imagine. Spells, firearms. Firearms, right, if you're playing in that, yeah. Yeah, I think maybe some kind of enchanted weapon. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I I don't know a whole lot else right off offhand. So with with that, with seeing that that the, the touch AC is five, maybe an easy fetch quest would be: oh, you need to. There, there are some Durgar that are working on cannons. Your world doesn't have firearms, but there, there's like Sverfneblin who are planning to make cannons or something, and it's a d- diplomacy to go get even just a single cannon that yeah. fires once. It takes a round of fire, then you have to take a round to reload. It has a chance to backfire or jam or something. All of those caveats sure. for for like really rudimentary firearms, but but you're hitting against a five, like that's that is the 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 shining beacon of hope that we just didn't see with the two e Tarask. Absolutely, yeah, and I, that's one of those things that would create the moment 
where you you think you're down and out. Arrows are just bouncing off of this thing left and right. Spells aren't mm. touching it, obviously. And then all of a sudden you hear a boom in the distance. And from the depths of this cave, the Duragar are just wheeling out this giant cannon as the ball goes flying over your head into the like the mouth of the Tarrasque or the, yeah. the shoulder or whatever. Yeah, and it does, I would say, like, maybe 50 damage per shot. You know, it's that's that's a decent chunk, maybe more. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what your average damage is going to be in 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 three five, but but y- you want it to do a a good like like damn that was amazing chunk of damage, but not too much that it'll only take like three or four shots total to to take this thing out. You know, sure, yeah, you want to. I wouldn't want like two hundred per hit. Oh no, God no! It would. Yeah, I like that idea, especially if it's takes so long to load and you have the mm-hmm. the chance of a of a misfire or something along those lines. Maybe if it misfires twice, it becomes inoperable completely. Something mm-hmm. along those lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so you maybe you can get two to three shots off at fifty to sixty hit points apiece. Yeah. But you're then it just breaks on you and you have to do the right. rest by hand. Yeah. Yeah, it could it could make for depending on the timing of of how quickly it gets loaded and when it gets jammed and stuff, it could make for a really quick like just take a ton off all at once or maybe it lands the killing blow when when you're you're worried and and everybody's starting to get really low and half your party's down. You know, Absolutely. It, that could that it could be such a a, a game changer, such a clincher. It's definitely one of those things where if you have the Tarrasque and he's just ready to coup de grace the the Barbarian or something like that, then mm-hmm. then you hear that cannon fire in the distance and it knocks him back or it knocks him off the off course, something along those lines, so you can mm-hmm. save that character. Yeah, yeah it 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 could it could be a a Deus Ex Canina for sure. So, so it's, it's, it's got a flat footed of 32. I don't know if I mentioned that before. It's flat. If you surprise it, you, you, you can take off that, that plus three from its decks. That's nice. Thank yep. goodness. It's base attack bonus is plus 48. It's grapple is plus 81. It's got an attack of a bite of plus 57, which is a melee. It's full attack is a plus 57 bite. It's. Two horns that are plus 52, two claws that are plus 52, and a tail slap that is plus 52. The, oh, oh my goodness. So the bite is 4d8 plus 17, crits on an 18 through 20, and the crit damage is is times three. So that's what, like vicious okay. and, and expanded critical or something like that. It's a couple of different. Yeah. Oh, it's augmented critical. That's what it's called. Frightful okay. presence, improved grab, rush, swallow hole. Its special qualities are carapace, damage reduction, 15 slash epic. So I'm not sure what the epic part is, but it's DR. You you automatically take 15 off of every damage you receive. Yep. Immunity to fire, poison, disease, energy drain, and ability damage. Regeneration of 40, 
that's much beefier this time around. It has scent and spell resistance 32, fort save of plus 38, reflex save of plus 29, will save of plus 20. Abilities are strength of 45, dex of 16, con of 35, int of 3, wisdom 14, charisma 14. It has alertness, awesome blow, blind fight, cleave, combat reflexes, dodge, great cleave, improved bull rush, improved initiative, iron will, power attack, and toughness 6. I really miss, I think I've said this before probably a long time ago, I miss all of the feats in 3-5 and and I think kind of Venn diagram if you if you're looking at the feats you also have to miss the prestige classes in 3-5 it just offered such a like Ray Ray and I were talking about multi-classing the other day and she's like I just it, I just don't see the appeal there really is no point there is no appeal the only and I said the only time is when you had prestige classes in in 3-5 sure. when you needed X number of levels in this class and X number of levels in this class so you could be this this amalgam class. Exactly. You can't unlock that part of the tree until you mm. have the multiple routes to, yeah. to take you there. And not every prestige required you to do that. Sometimes it was just you needed this number of feats. You need th these specific feats or you need... This stat needs to be at this level, things along those lines. So you always, I always built, I, I, I did whatever I think almost all D and D players do, and 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 built classes for fun. And in five E, it's not, it doesn't, like you make one of each class and you're done. And in three five, it's it's amazing because you you pick your prestige class and then you build backwards. You say okay. By at this level, I'll be able to have this and this, but I still need to reach this. And it's it's such a such a decision tree. It's really satisfying to plan every step of the way. At least it was for me. I I, I got such a kick out of looking at all the options. And there's it offers a certain amount of replayability too. Like you could be a rogue, but you could be a rogue going in three different directions. Right. Eventually. So I, you may yeah. start at the one one same spot but yeah you could you could branch off and maybe maybe one one branch you tried it and it doesn't really work for you so you the next one you you try something new and and with with those decisions that could affect choices you make starting at level one because you, oh, yeah. you may need this feat that that will help you work your way up or you may it may determine where you put your your skill points or your your attribute points things like that so yeah even if you're 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 starting a rogue with those multiple options it you you plan for your future basically yeah you may it's, be taking a feat that's that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense in the moment but it's a prereq to something else yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it allows you to build further in. It's, it's like, it's like taking classes in college, you know, eventually I need to get to this, but, but first I need to do this. Exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. So the, the alignment is always neutral. It's a challenge rating of 20 and let's see, 
we have a little, a tiny little bit of three, five flavor text. This scaly biped seems about as tall as a five story building. It carries itself like a bird of prey, leaning well forward and using its powerful lashing tail for balance. Spot like that is the description of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. It has two horns on its head and a thick reflective carapace on its back. The legendary Tarasque, fortunately, only one exists, pulled that right from Tui, is possibly the most dreaded monster of all, except for the largest dragons. None can predict where and when the creature will strike next. The location of the Tarasque's lair is a mystery, and the beast remains dormant much of the time. Its torporous slumber usually lasts 64 months, which I think is up from 44 from 2E. I, I believe so, yeah. Before it leaves its lair for a brief hunting foray lasting 1D3 days. That's a lot shorter, I think, than, than 2E. On it that was like one. months. So, yeah, so they, they're, they're tweaking a little bit. But this one is much bigger and badder and scarier than that than 2E, so... So you only want it for a couple of days. Probably does the same amount of damage. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Just in, in a shorter period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Once every decade or so, the monster is particularly active, staying awake for 1D2 weeks. Thereafter, it slumbers for at least 4D6 years unless disturbed. So they definitely tweaked the the time frames on this guy for 3-5. For yep. When active, the Tarasque is a perfect engine of destruction. It rampages across the land, eating everything in its path, including plants, animals, humanoids, and even towns. Nothing is safe, and entire communities prefer to flee the ravening Tarasque rather than face its power. Duh. <laughs> Many legends surround the Tarasque's origins and purpose. Some hold it to be an abomination unleashed by ancient forgotten gods to punish all of nature, while others tell of a conspiracy between evil wizards or merciless elemental powers. These tales are mere speculation, however, and the creature's true nature will probably remain a mystery. The Tarasque isn't in the habit of explaining itself, and it rarely leaves any living witnesses in its wake. The Tarasque is 70 feet long and 50 feet tall, and it weighs about 130 tons. The Tarasque cannot speak. Okay. What, what's, what is your origin of choice for this thing? We've heard a couple of like, well, it could be this, but it also could be this, but we don't really know. What do you, what's your, what, what, what speaks to you the most on, on where this thing comes from? I almost like it as this apocalyptic cleansing agent. That's exactly that the one every, that I like. Yeah. Every few years comes out and just hits the reset button. It, on you know this specific area maybe it it moves maybe it has a path that it goes mm, in mm -hmm. so every few years it's going to make that circle back or maybe once a generation yeah it makes that circle back yeah. around something along those lines and i think that opens your your party and your your game itself up to like the cult aspect mm -hmm. of it mm -hmm. and you know all the all that that brings along with it which is you know in and of itself, levels and levels of of adventure fodder. Yeah, yeah. the 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 fact that 
a long forgotten God created this thing, a God of, of destruction and, and annihilation, extinction, whatever. And it turns out it's not a long forgotten God because there is a, a cult that is trying to not only resurrect this thing early, but, but amp it up so it cannot fail this time. And on the other hand, you have the, the, the rarely, rarely seen and survived Tarask scholars who pass their information from generation to generation because they don't know when it's going to come again. Maybe it's every hundred years or so. Or, I mean, but in, in D&D terms, like, we have races that live longer than that. So I guess that's not sure. that that much. But I, I do I do very much like that, that this this thing is is just it's just a weapon of of pure pure destruction pure annihilation and it is it is meant to cleanse that's cool i like that one the most yeah i think so i think that works the best as well cuz that really sets up the good versus evil mm. and that given the size of it i mean it just it it fits yeah it does it really does it's and it, it's it's a lot cleaner of a it's a lot cleaner and it's a lot more interesting of of a, a hook than just like we don't know it's just a big monster and it's eating things you know it's it's i mean you can you can do that you can just say guys you need to take care of this but you know if you've got all of that other underlying build up it's just much more satisfying you know you you your your players sink their teeth into this story much more readily than go kill this thing. It doesn't matter that this thing is a challenge rating 20 and is it is one of the most legendary items, one of the most legendary monsters in D&D. If it's just go kill it, it's like, all right, we'll go kill it. Yeah. What if, what if you played as a curse? Hmm. Somebody did something, you know, uh, uh, someone in a royal family wronged a god or wrong it's got a very kind of greek mythology thing mm. to it where mm-hmm. somebody angered the wrong god so every you know 1d6 or 2d6 years or whatever it is they this thing comes and just raises the countryside but for some reason it always leaves this castle standing so that the oh so that the royal family can just watch as their subjects are completely annihilated yeah but then they they wouldn't have any subjects anymore at that point right you know like no one would want to live around that castle i like i like what you're saying but but there but that's the immediate thing is like just just move just (laughs) just move sure just move but it's not why would you live why would you live in new orleans yeah yeah we've had this discussion with the Banshee or the Crab yeah. Man or, or any one of those like, oh, it comes out every now and then and and probably like a Lich too. I think we've had this discussion. Yeah, no, it, that, yeah. that makes sense. Like it is a it is a very generous kingdom who will like pay for its people to to relocate and and rebuild. But but this happens. So you, you take the good with the bad. And, and instead of just being like, okay, we got to rebuild again, maybe this time they're like, right, listen, like 
our scholars say this thing's about to come out. Do something about it this time, please. And they hire your 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 players. Yeah, exactly. The the long great 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 grandson or whatever mm-hmm. of the original in- individual that that committed this heinous act. He's the one that hires you. Maybe that get you a kind of a time travel thing like we were talking mm, about mm-hmm, last week mm-hmm. where you have to go back and write this wrong before it it even becomes a wrong right or, so that you erase that or you you see you see what the wrong was you, you sure it turns out you're actually a part of that wrong or you you see that that turning point you know and and sure there, yeah therefore the 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 genesis of of the Tarasque. but I, I love that idea I love that that the that inherited curse. That's a, that's a really cool idea that I have not heard a lot. So I'm, I'm I, I dig that the heck out of that one. That's cool. Yeah. You, you rarely hear it with something so gargantuan either. Right. Usually yeah. it's like an, it's, it's a ghost or it's an amulet or maybe the Banshee would be a good vehicle for this, but mm-hmm. something that's basically a large dinosaur that comes back every every few years is not something that you typically associate with a curse. Yeah. I think, I, th- I think with that, that the curse being the vehicle, I would definitely make it every couple of generations. I wouldn't make it so frequent. Sure. Yeah. Cause, cause they would need, cause if it was every couple of years, like this kingdom wouldn't exist. Like they, they wouldn't be able to recover. That's a good point. You know? Yeah. You have to be, it has to do such devastation that it wipes things out, but maybe leaves some stragglers and leaves some some people alive to kind of rebuild over, exactly. like you said, a generation yep. or two, and and then they just it it comes out and and wipes that slate clean. Yeah, that that exactly, one's cool. Yeah. So what are your what are your thoughts on the th- the three five Tarask? Definitely meatier than the than the two E, mm-hmm. and. I don't know. I mean, it, it's it is still the terrestrial. There, it still has all those hallmarks. Whether it's the physical presence of it, mm-hmm. the attacks, things like that. I like the fact that it has. It seems to have more, more to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm sh- obviously that's just because of the the different versions. Yeah. But you know the the greater cleave and toughness yeah. and all the all those these feats. other additional yeah. things that that you can you can stack on top of this. So it's not just, you know, claw, claw bite. Yeah. And that's, that's what, that's the point that I was getting at last week about, I think it was the charge or something where, where they, they give the monster those very specific feats that, that, that just makes sense for it to have and give it those abilities that just make natural sense as opposed to something kind of out of the blue. Like the, that's, the improved claw, the rush, the the crit, the augmented crit, and things like bang on, perfect, chef's kiss, yep. Tarask. Mwah, I love it. Yeah, I do. I do miss the amputation bite, but I, oh yeah, you know, we do. We do have, take the good yeah. with the bad. But it, it still has the swallow. It, it can swallow whole this time. It has the reflective carapace. It can charge at one hundred and fifty feet. It can regen much more. Like if you chop off a limb and it picks it up and holds it to that stump, it will it will reattach. So it's well. There it's, you go. Yeah. It, so it's, it leveled up yeah, for sure. I think so. Yeah. So one through ten, how many random encounters monsters would you give the three five Tarask? Three 
Let's remember we gave the 2e to Rask an 8. Would it still be an 8? Would you go up to 9? No, would it, down? it would definitely... Like, I'm going to go... Three five Tarask is a solid ten. I think so. It's it's so good. It's very solid. It's got everything you want for the Tarask. There's nothing. Yeah. There's there's nothing in there that makes me think like ah, it could be maybe it could use a couple of more things. Like you've got enough as the DM running this thing. You've got enough on your hands to make it an engaging fight for your players at this point. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Next week we've got the four E. Tarask 4E. It's under the Abominations heading, I think. It's like right in the beginning of the book. It is under, where is it? It's right after Aboleth. Yes, it's it's under the Abominations heading. We've already seen one of the Abominations. It was the, the great big like floating skinless, the Atropol. The Atropol. Ah, yes. Yeah, that terrifying thing. But we will be diving into the 4 E. Tarask. Come on back next week for another random Tarask from a random monster manual. This is Tarask Encounters. Thank you very much. Hey. Random Encounters is a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network.